Tommy, I want to tell you a secret. It's a secret that's been passed down in my family for generations. And it's time I tell you to listen to Haven't Seen It on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe. Give us five stars. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at SeenItPod. The movie this week, National Treasure. Haven't seen with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenet. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And that week, this person is Tommy. I guess Tommy was just neglected as a child because, like, what is it? The Sandlot, Home Alone 2, and now National Treasure. You just didn't see any of these movies, Tommy? Like, like what and, happened? And, he, and a lot of the kids' movies I didn't see. Uh, this one, I was looking up uh, to see what was I probably seen. When this movie came out in November of 2004, and I looked up, uh, this was two weeks before um, after The Incredibles was released. So I remember I saw that in theaters with my dad. I'm and then that. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, the movie, came out the same weekend as this. And as a kid, little like eight year old Tommy, or I was 10 years old at the time, I was like, I'm going to see SpongeBob. Like, wow, who, Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage, he's not SpongeBob. <laughs> so I just never got around to seeing it, uh, the rest of this movie. But <laughs> do you? Do you think if they ever made a live action SpongeBob, which I would not rule out of the cards because it just feels like something these studios would do. Did they kind of already do that with like the second movie? It, it was like, I, I don't remember. I remember seeing the first one. I don't, I haven't seen <laughs> You're it. You're like, I aged, I aged out of the SpongeBob movies past SpongeBob one. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I, I mean, you can throw on classic SpongeBob and it's still great. I'm not going to personally seek out the new things that they're making. But do you think not my Nick, not my SpongeBob? <laughs> do you think Nick Cage could pull off SpongeBob SquarePants? I see him as more of like a Mr. Krabs or like a Squidward, where like more of just like freaking the fuck out than like a happy-go-lucky dude. <laughs> I mean, you saw the massive weight of unbearable talent. He's a leading man. He doesn't take no bit parts, okay? Yeah, Tommy. So it's He's either SpongeBob or nothing. Maybe Patrick. I'd like to see him as Patrick. Like, what if Patrick is just, like, super intellectual all of a sudden? And it's just Nick Cage? Well, Nick Cage has played dumb before um, with, like, Raising Arizona. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That was also a young actor. But uh, we want to thank everyone. Uh, We actually, this is the first movie we ever did a poll for on our Twitter. We don't follow us on Twitter, at SceneItPod. We did four movies uh, up for the poll. It was between this, uh, Face Off, Con Air, and Wicker Man. It became very apparent that no one cared about Wicker Man, so we're not going to cover that, obviously. And then it became a tight three-way weight race for every day I was texting to me, like, holy shit, Face House in the lead. Wait, no, National Treasure's in the lead. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Con Air's in the lead? What? <laughs> we all we also got a lot of votes, so, we, so thank you very much for voting, because I think it got a couple hundred votes on it, too, which for us right now, that's perfect. Yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty solid. So we want to thank everyone who voted for it, and... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it became a tie between this and Face Off. Um, and we did a coin flip, National Treasure won. So here we go. <laughs> this is National Treasure. 
On DVD, from the producer of Pirates of the Caribbean, comes a treasure hunt. A treasure map. On the Declaration of Independence. 2,000 years in the making. National treasure. Who wants to go down the creepy tunnel first? Ray BG, only this Tuesday on DVD. I literally couldn't find a TV spot trailer for this that was like under 30 seconds. So I just went with the DVD trailer because why not? That's a little fun, right? I was going to say, like, did you find, like, the grainiest trailer you could yes. find? <laughs> yes. There's just not a ton of information on this movie when we were looking up research for this production. Usually there's, like, oral histories of, of like, big, you know, movies that do really well like this told decades later or whatever. Or there's just like, in a pussy catch was a bump. <laughs> well, top, you just answered your own question. This made, like, $340 million at the box office. This was a huge hit. I... Thinking about the timing of this movie's release, Tommy, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't think you're... Actually, I think you might know the answer to this question. Okay. What was the biggest book released in the year 2003? Uh, The Da Vinci Code. Yes! Uh, I did my research too. (laughs) Yes! Tommy, I love it! That's what I love to hear, baby. Yeah, so um, this movie has a lot of, um, a lot of similarities to uh, The Da Vinci Code, which came out the year before. Um, and even Roger Ebert in his review, uh, just like when he read National Treasure, said like, oh yeah, like this is just like The Da Vinci Code. And then he spent a portion of his review just shitting on the book, and uh, The Da Vinci Code, instead of the movie he was reviewing. <laughs> that sounds like Roger Ebert. Yeah, it's a real king shit. <laughs> well, so I looked, so the little I could find on the production, apparently this, the original script was written in like 1999 and yeah. it evolved as like actors were added to the program um, with like when like Cage finally signed on and things like that and Sean, Sean, Pen, Sean, Sean Bean, uh, not, Sean Penn would have been awesome in this movie. Let's be honest. He would have been more of the Harvey Cartel role, I feel like. <laughs> no, dude, imagine him as Ian. Like, instead of just this, like, clean-cut professional, he's just, he goes from, like, clean-cut professional to complete Sean Penn psycho. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Grungy-ass fuck. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. You know, if we're, if we're playing recasting. Uh, if we want to play recasting, one of the things that, um, you know, we'll touch upon it later, but I just did not like Sean Bean in this movie. I thought he was so forgettable as a villain, which sucks because he usually prefer- uh, brings such great performances. But there's just, like, he kind of was just secondary to the plot, I felt like. <laughs> Yeah, well, the plot was the treasure. He was just like following along, basically, because he had invested so much money into the uh, project. He basically funded uh, Nicholas Cages, who plays Ben Franklin Gates. Yes, very, very on the nose name there. Who, really makes you think. <laughs> who has a family secret? The secret lies with Charlotte, and they finally find out what Charlotte is. It's a boat, and it's in the middle of the arctic ocean or something it's somewhere where it's frozen un- underwater basically they find a pipe and the pipe's a clue tommy this is a clue and this clue is going to lead to another clue i do think one of the things that stands out to me because i mean this is about the man the myth the legend nicholas cage it's why we did this movie this is the month of cage this is the year of cage i would love yeah, to see nicholas cage this is the cage assance and this is his monologue when he tries to figure out where this map is. They unroll this pipe and it has this cryptic message on it. And this is him just kind of ramping it up and just saying. An iron pen. The iron does not describe the ink in the pen. 
it describes what was penned. It was iron. It was firm. It was mineral. No, 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 no. It was. It was firm. It was adamant. It was resolved. It was resolved. Mr. Matlack can't offend. Timothy Matlack was the official scribe of the Continental Congress, calligrapher, not writer. And to make sure he could not offend the map, it was put on the back of a resolution that he transcribed, a resolution that 55 men signed. The Declaration of Independence. So if you've never seen National Treasure before, and you're like Tommy, shame on you to begin with, you know, have a little fun in your life. So, and if you're curious how many times Nicolas Cage talks like that in the movie, uh, it's pretty much the entire time. He just goes yeah. into monologues and the score just underneath it just starts to swell up a little bit. I do have Very to, sweeping. <laughs> I do have to say, highlight for me, real highlight for me, I've seen this movie a dozen times, real highlight for me was the score. It, it slapped. Dude, this, yeah. this theme slaps. Tommy, doesn't this make you want to go out and go to a record store and adventure? Because I feel like that's that's like the height of your adventures in life, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I go to some uh, new town where I've never been to before, and I'm just like, oh, there's a record store here. I'll just go to the record store and not see anywhere else in town. And then anywhere, and then just out of the blue, this sound, you're like walking in the door and you just hear. What we really need to do is have this be like uh, our underplay when we're uh, doing the podcast where we're talking about like, now this movie was really great and I loved all the orchestra while that music was just sweeping and everything and just like, oh my God, haven't seen it, knows what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So this was, the music was written, was composed by Trevor Rabin, who I've never heard of before. And I'm kind of surprised, I'm like looking at his thing. So he did Con Air, Armageddon, Enemy of the State, Gone in 60 seconds. Remember the Titans. See, like I remember Remember the Titans is more of a it's more of like the more song selections than like more licensed music than than yeah. the actual score of it itself. American Outlaws, Bad Company, Kangaroo Jack. Talk about a classic. Well, so basically he did a bunch of cage movies, and uh, I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now. He uh was the guitarist of that band, yes. Uh, oh he from- oh, that was the guitarist from Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just like some random guy you never heard of. Uh, no, this guy I, was. Yeah, I was gonna, this guy was. You're gonna say? <laughs> oh, I was gonna say no. I was gonna say the score absolutely slaps. Like it, I don't. This movie doesn't work without the score, in my opinion. Yeah, because it, we have to touch upon the fact that you need to kind of just turn your brain off a little bit when you watch this movie to get the full enjoyment of it. Would you agree with that sentiment, Tommy? I'd agree, and this is why uh, one of my one of our friends uh, suggested to me that this would be a good work watch movie because it was just something so preposterous. We're like, ah, fuck it, where they're going to this or doing this because all those cage monologues were like out of nowhere. He knows what the clue is. He's like, wait a minute, it's the fucking Declaration of Independence, or like, oh, it's 
the Liberty Bell or some shit. <laughs> yeah, and, and you have this triumphant score underneath it, and it's so preposterous. You can watch this movie and you can just throw darts at the screen the entire time and just plot hole it to death if you're really, you know, logic hole it to death if you really want. Yeah. But it's not that kind of movie. It's kind of the dumb. Uh, the way I described it to you was this is the type of movie you kind of half watch on a rainy Sunday uh, afternoon on TNT. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and, I think half the times I've watched it has been on a Sunday afternoon on TNT where you're just going through the dial. Ah, Mets are rained out. All right, let's see. Yeah, national treasure. Uh, oh, he's going into the steal the Declaration of Independence. Ooh. I gotta see that scene. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm not turning this movie off. I think part of the charm is that it does not try to be anything different. It is exactly what it says it is. And I, I think that's, if I, I remember reading the Da Vinci Code in like middle school or something. And from what I remember of the book, it's kind of the same way. Like this is, this is, what it is it's a beach read it's a beat this is like a beach movie like imagine yeah. a projector if on a this beach. was a yeah, yeah it'd be perfect that's all this, this is, is uh I, I was reading one article about this movie today and uh they described it also as this is the type of movie that your grandparents take you to go see when you're oh, a kid yeah this is um, a total grandparents movie <laughs> my mother loves this adores this. i watched it with her on yeah. mother's day my mom loves this movie she loves history and I think the cool thing is, is that they do weave like little things about history. It's not all just like blatant over the top thing. It's like who penned the constitution. You probably didn't know it was Thomas Matlack, you know, Thomas Jefferson wrote the declaration of independence, but who actually scribed it and put it onto paper. Or like even the fact that the character that Cage is related to, um, which I'm already blank on the name, but uh, that character was actually like the guy who was the last surviving member of the, uh, the continental congress. Yeah. The, of yeah. the continental congress and that's where he got the secret from you know it's all cute it's cool there's nothing there's no like plot holes it's just logic fallacies that you could just spend yeah. the entire time just and this is definitely more of like a family adventure movie because you know even though guns are fired you don't see anyone really die in this movie except for like one random henchman and the way he dies is that he falls to his death off screen. <laughs> I was just and, thinking of the original Star Trek when that happened, like the, the original Star Trek show, they always said if an unnamed character wearing a red shirt, yeah, it goes on the mission, <laughs> he's going to die. That is their fate. Like that was that guy. That was that fall. That was like, Oh yeah, that's the, it's, it's like every adventure movie has that where it's like one of the henchmen is just like uh guy gets like shit rocked and it's just like, ah, uh, we don't care about him. So whatever. <laughs> move on <laughs> this this is one of those movies where you just gotta go with the punches because it's cool it, it's just it is cool like they intertwine an era of history that i find personally very fascinating and i think many americans do find that era of history really fascinating and make it into an adventure in all these landmarks that you're familiar with they don't they're outside of the opening scene in the middle of the arctic you're in washington dc philadelphia new york and like a minute in boston a very quick uh, coda. It's like, oh yeah, and this is what happened to Sean Bean. We kind of forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, no, that wasn't what the movie was about, Tommy. It's about family, okay? <laughs> so that's that's what it's all about. I, so this is Fast and the Furious. Now. I didn't realize that it was all about family. <laughs> and you know what they say in Alabama? You don't turn your back on family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why they don't allow reverse. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. 
so well, let me ask you, what was your favorite sequence in the movie? Because the it's just basically set piece to set piece to set piece to set piece. So I I probably say like the one scene I really liked in terms of like action wise, like set piece was definitely like right after they stole the Declaration of Independence and uh, their um, Diane Kruger's character who plays like the love interest and like the what, historical society person or whatever I forget where Abigail was. Yeah, Abigail. Where she's in the truck and she's hanging out for dear life while they're trying to catch her, and and that was a cool little action set piece right there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think it's more the tension of the movie. Like, it's also I, I'd also say this movie's really well edited on like a serious rewatch. Like, I'm thinking of the scene where he's stealing the nation, the Declaration of Independence, and Ian is trying to break in at the same time as Ben is at the party. There's like a gala above. And he's sneaking down through the elevator in plain sight to go steal the Declaration of Independence and the way that it's edited and it's cut. You know exactly what's happening here. And a lot of times in movies like this, where I think a movie like this wouldn't work is if it was just jumping all around. You had no idea, no sense of timing of when things are actually happening and where everybody is at one point in time. And then they have the cute little scene of him having to buy the Declaration and he uses his credit card because he doesn't have enough cash. Yeah, it's like, oh, like, uh, excuse me, are you trying to shoplift right here? And you're like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, I find it weird that if you're at a gala that you donated like $100,000 to go to, you'd buy a $30 replica of the Nash, the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> you almost feel like they would just give that out for free at the fucking gala. Oh. Like, oh, like, here's a oh. little stupid trinket or something. <laughs> oh, Tom, oh, Tom you, you're, you are naive. I'm just surprised it's open because I'd imagine the people that have that kind of house, they're not you know, the houses that are can afford those kind of donations, they're probably not hanging up a replica of the Declaration of Independence that's $30. <laughs> yeah, the, the tacky ass thing. It's like, uh, I'll get this to my kid, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, anyway, again, you could just toss some logic, but this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It could be a long ass pod doing that. <laughs> the, the, oh, it's one of, it's like one of my least favorite YouTube channels is that uh, Cinema Sins, where they just, it's just like, foot. It's like it's a movie, dude. Like obviously, it's not perfect human logic because if it was, none <laughs> yeah. of them would be made because they'd be terrible. There's some people I know like that with movies where like they keep on pointing out plot holes, like oh, uh, the character didn't get shot right here, even though he was getting fired at. And it's just like okay, well, the movie wouldn't have happened if he got shot right there. So let's move on. It's a movie. You have to suspend your disbelief a little bit when you're watching this, and uh, this is one of those movies that you really need to suspend your disbelief a lot. Like, how's Nick Cage and all this shit? Like, off the top of his head. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually felt like that was believable. He was like a historian. He was, hmm. uh, it was in his family. Like, so, like, if you know these things, it comes. And you actually... That's see, true. I do think you see the, the comparison, right? Like, Ben Gates really wants this. So he's able to figure out all these things because he just knows the history and he loves the history. When Ian is trying to figure out things on his own, he has to use the computer. He has to use, I guess they used Yahoo, which was dated product placement, if you ask me. Oh, Ugh. God. It's one of those things. You forget how long ago 2004 was it sometimes. Um, like when I, I was uh, researching um, this movie, uh, Nicholas Cage interviewed for some random website that uh, hasn't aged in 20 years. So it still looks like a like geo cities bullshit or whatever this website oh i love those it's like fine it's yeah. like finding a lost city it's like oh like uh when they used to have the old space jam website and it was still like space jam from 97 even oh, though it was yeah. like 2020 uh yeah. but anyways in this interview they asked nicholas cage 
are you an aficionado of DVDs? And how do you think they changed the way movies are marketed and pitched? And it's like, wait, people like really cared about DVDs that way or thought it was like a brand new spanky, like, oh my God, this is a game changer for movies. I don't have to watch it on this clunky piece of crap VHS tape that looks and sounds horrible. <laughs> well, Nicholas Cage is on the, on the deck because they asked him about it. And he's like, oh yeah, DVDs are awesome because you can rewatch the movies, but like, you don't need to learn all this behind the scenes stuff because it really is like the Wizard of Oz destroying the man behind the curtain thing. And it's like, hey, I guess you're not wrong with this cage, but like, I don't know. I mean, some some of us, we wouldn't have a podcast if, that, if it wasn't for that. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we would. We don't uh, do so, that much. We don't do that much research, Tommy. Come on. We're, yeah. <laughs> half-assed for internet research. <laughs> yes. Yes. To quote the rewatchables, half-assed internet research indeed. Yeah. But I listen, this is one of those movies that I get it. It is what it is. And I think that's why people love it. It it's giving you exactly what you want the entire time. Nicolas Cage is essentially playing Nicolas Cage. And it's funny because when you look at his career, he can really bring an amazing performance. But some of his most iconic roles are just him being Nick Cage. Yeah, because it is funny because uh, I did watch Con Air recently too. And that's another great Nick Cage action movie. And in that one, he's playing more of a character where he has this like insane Southern accent and it's a little over the top at times. And this uh, was a little more surprising to be a more like... I guess not eccentric in the cage performance, more, um, reserved, more reserved, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It would be the right, right word where like, you're not going to see Nick Cage. This isn't like vampire's kiss where he's going like a B C D just like, you know, screamed out the t- typical cage memes that we all know this one, like really the only memeable moment is a clip that I know we have hold up, but when he says, I guess I'm going to go steal the declaration of independence. Fuck you, Tommy. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> steal the declaration of independence. Fuck you. <laughs> this is ru- like, ruined your lead up. <laughs> I literally, you were building it up and then you're like, I know we have the clip queued and you did not know that because I did not tell you I was going to surprise you. God damn it. It's going to surprise you. I see your screen share. It says all the clips you have. I can, I can read. <laughs> you can. Yeah, I know. Behind that for a while. <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. So who stole the show in this movie? Because we didn't really touch on the performances. You have Nicolas Cage, obviously, Sean, Sean Bean. You have Diane Kruger, Justin Bartha, a.k.a. the guy that goes missing in the, in the Hangover. You have Harvey Keitel. And you also have one other man. John Voight? The actor? That's right. That's right. John Voight, the actor. Can I just say, I love John Voight in this movie solely for the fact that he has zero interest in being there. They were like, yeah, yeah, you know, half the movie, you're going to be in the movie for 10 minutes. One scene, you're going to have to film. You could be in your pajamas. You could be in your pajamas. You can roll up in your pajamas. We won't even put that much makeup on you. You just got to yell about heat or something like that. And how... (laughs) 20 years goes by. I also love that he's like, what is it going to lead to? Another clue. It's like, you spent 20 years trying to solve this and you didn't get past the first clue. So you actually have no idea how many clues. <laughs> well, it's, it's, like, it's like, how bad How bad was uh, fucking John Voight as a treasure hunter? Because from what we've seen in the movie, this guy like very easily was like, no, fuck this. I'm just going to retire. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I lost, he says at the beginning, I lost your mother because of it. And it's like, 
Well, yeah, because you spent 20 years on a goose chase and you couldn't find anything about it. You <laughs> According literally... to Nicolas Cage, this movie was very easy to solve. I mean, <laughs> come on there, John Voight. Think about it. The hardest thing to find in the movie was the boat. And we don't see that, which is fine because it's just the launch into the movie. It's the second scene of the movie. Yeah. But locating a ship called the Charlotte from the 1600s, do you know how many logs you would have to go through, like boat logs and like the brain power of that to make that connection? I like that they don't tell us. This is why I'm not a treasure hunter because that would bore the fuck out of me after a while where I'd be like, all right, whatever. Do I really need this treasure? <laughs> Tommy would be like um, looking through, be like, where are the pictures, man? Oh my God, <laughs> not even one diagram? Come on. I thought there was supposed to be an X that marks a spot somewhere. One, one person I do want to shout out that we didn't really mention at all because he's only in the beginning is Christopher Plummer. And oh yeah, when I first looked up the credits of this movie, I saw he was in this and I was very disappointed to see that he was only in the intro sequence because at first I was like, oh, he's the grandfather or something. Maybe like he pops up in the modern day. Maybe he's the villain or something. And uh, then I started doing the math and I was like, wait, like Christopher Plummer's character is in his 60s when Nicolas Cage was a little kid. So he would be probably dead by now. <laughs> It's like, ah, fuck, we would have had a great Christopher Plummer performance. And he really set the tone of the movie where you see that and it's the sweeping exposition dialogue of like, this is the big secret. And it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Yeah, I would agree. It it it, it latches you into the movie. I Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I caught The Hobbit. Like the first Hobbit was on TV or whatever, like right at the start and I'm watching it and the intro sequence of like setting up the story is so underwhelming. And especially when you compare it to the Lord of the Rings, like the fellowship one, that is seven minutes and it sets the tone and it gives you everything you need, all that information in a very compelling way. And this follows in the Lord of the Rings set. It's not in the Hobbit set sense where it's kind of like, this is just dragging like. Yeah. uh, The Hobbit was awful. I remember we saw that in theaters and I was so bored. But anyways, Christopher Plummer just has that gravitas and has that voice where he's a very much mispresence in movies now because he literally just had dialogue that was just nothing but pure exposition and made it really compelling, made it really interesting, made it like, oh, like, t- tell me, Grandpa, what's the story? Well, it's, it, and I said, mentioned it before, the editing of the movie, that is the pacing of the way that the story is delivered. And then the way it is shown to you visually, like you see the carriage, you see the, the guy from the Continental Congress that hands him the piece of paper, right? You see all these things and it's very visually compelling as well as for your ears. So you're compressing very boring information in a very stimulating way. It's a power of the movie. This is though the part of the show where we talk about who won the movie, who was the best part, even though we just spent 10 minutes not doing that. Tommy, do you think it's Nicolas Cage? Because it's it's it is Nicolas Cage. I, I don't know who else you could say but Nicolas Cage here. Um, Justin Bartha, I mean, is like the wisecracking uh, sidekick, but he's nothing like really special. You've seen that character a million times in other movies. Nicolas Cage, obviously, the one. If you tell one person, like, say one thing about uh, National Treasure, they're probably going to play that uh, say that clip again, or we played earlier. I'm going to steal a Declaration. I'm going to steal a Declaration of Independence. Exactly. So I'm just gonna drop that in random episodes now. You're just gonna not expect it, and it's just gonna it's come. in the soundboard. <laughs> it's on the soundboard now. It's just gonna appear. You're just you're gonna get All cage bets are off. <laughs> you're gonna get cage bombed at some point in your life, Tommy. Nicholas Cage is the star of this movie, and yeah. uh, he 
is the star. <laughs> I like Diane Kruger in this. She's she's a little feisty. Although I gotta say, listen, I know I said don't logic bomb this, but she she's like a weird ride or die chick. She goes from being ride or die to the Constitution to seeing the map and being like, "Fuck it, I'm all in. I am <laughs> all in, motherfucker." Let's see like where this like, goes. <laughs> I want the money. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> no, I don't think she wanted the money. I'm. Or, or she was she was wrapped up in the treasure of it all, where she was yeah, just like the history oh, of this it all. This is a hunt, yeah. Because um, she goes from like telling like uh, trying to call security on the cage to maybe like twenty minutes later being like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna help you. <laughs> Actually, somebody I want to mention, I don't know her name, and I was looking on IMDb, and there's just too many actors and actresses to kind of. Actually, I maybe I can find her. But when they're running through the Philadelphia market, this was the one part of the movie that actually got like a legitimate LOL from me when she's running from uh, Ian's men in the Philadelphia market or whatever, and uh, Diane Kruger's character jumps over the thing and she's like, "Honey, you can't be here." And she's like, "I'm just hiding from my ex-husband." She's like. Baldy, like yeah, honey, you can stay here as long as you like. I was like, <laughs> she was that's great. funny. That's that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. I like that. All right, let's see. I got a, I got a full credit list. I'll I'll give this woman a shout out. All right, and uh, I'm trying to pull it up too. Uh, Butcher Lady, Butch- yeah, Sharon somewhere. Sharon Wilkins. I see. Has she been in anything else? She's an iRobot made in Manhattan. As- asthmatic woman. She last acted in 2015, so she, she had a good run. 2000, she 15 year acting career. Good for her. She'll have a picture on IMDb. That might that might help to get new yeah, roles. Maybe. Just just a, a little bit of advice. She was funnier than any of the lines that Justin Bartha said in this movie. That's oh, just, he oh. was just he was just snark. That, that's mostly what he was. He was just there for the snarky, like yeah, like oh fuck you two, Nick Cage and Diane Kruger. <laughs> yeah, well, I like that he just was there they were just like yeah we pulled you out of a cubicle would you like to be back there he's like nope and that's his motivation for the movie <laughs> well, well the question is like what was so special about him that like uh, they immediately like thought like we have to get this specific guy who was working a dead-end office job like what he had computer skills okay cool <laughs> dude in 2004 you know how fucking hard that was <laughs> there was another thing about like how we said like 2000s were so long ago we're like in the climax of the movie when they're stuck in the cave part of me wondered i was like it's 2004 like one of them probably has to have a cell phone then yeah but there wouldn't I, be reception that far down there's that not yeah. at that time you yeah. you just you just logic bombed me back uh yeah that's right motherfucker <laughs> if i was cinema sins you just tell me to go fuck myself <laughs> that's what i do tell cinema sins go fuck yourself <laughs> exactly we're an anti-cinema sins podcast Take Damn that. Damn straight. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Does this movie work as a Muppet adaptation? Uh, oh, yeah. Immediately. Uh, oh, this, yeah. I mean, like Roger Ebert himself said in his review that uh, this movie, you could literally take the script word for word and make it a Monty Python movie and it would still work. So if you think of that instead of Muppets, where you have Kermit saying, like, I'm gonna steal a decoration of independence. No, no, you have to keep Cage. You can't. You, 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 Cage would be the human. Cage would be the human. Um, I, you know what? I want to see Kermit play Ian. Like, I want to see him as the bad. I want to see him play the bad guy. You have Fozzie as um, what's his Riley. name? As Riley. You have Piggy as uh, Diane, Diane Kruger. Kruger. Yeah, I, I like how everybody else's characters' names are just not like remember memorable like this movie is so memorable and distinct and it's just because of the scope and the scale and like the gravitas of it yeah 
but has nothing to do with the characters, which is what I usually like out of movies. But this movie just it rides that cheesy line. You know, it's it's it it could fall off at any moment, and it just it doesn't. One of those things that you can kind of just like look past the fact that most of the characters are kind of, for the most part, just archetypes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's not trying to do anything more than what it's setting out to accomplish. I feel like that's a Jerry Bruckheimer staple, except for the original Pirates. I think for the well for Jerry Bruckheimer, that's like pretty, inventive. you know, <laughs> yeah, it's inventive, like. I think of Pirates of the Caribbean, and you're obviously going to think of uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, Solidarity with Johnny Depp. It's, the movie's not about him. It's about uh, Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley's characters, and he's just, like, there with them. It's about them he's meeting... He's an interesting and, side character. Yeah, well, he, but he's, like, the star of the movie, but he doesn't drive the movie, and that's why all the sequels suck, is because they're like, let's make Captain Jack Sparrow now the star of the... Like, the central driving force of the movie it's like it's like it's like the joy conundrum on friends you can't uh joy didn't work as a spinoff because everyone was like we don't want this character to be like the main character we, we need like everyone else to balance out the joyness of it all <laughs> bro that got two seasons so i think it kind of worked i thought that got canceled after like a season <laughs> no it got like it has like 40 episodes or something like that like more oh, than shit. you would think I, I i'm pulling it up right now <laughs> We, we need to settle the Joey debate right now. <laughs> Joey, I, I got it up here. 2004 to 2006, 46 episodes. Jesus, what the... F- and everyone, everyone talks about Joey as like this big failure, but like that's like... That's really decent. good for... Tele- that's like decent for te- for a tele- a terrible television spinoff. That's not terrible. If that, if that was on Netflix, that'd be like a normal Netflix run right there for fucking Joey. <laughs> <laughs> the Netflix revival of Joey. Netflix has been making a ton of bad business decisions. Maybe we can just get them to do a revival yeah. of like, Joey. Like, hey, Netflix, don't do a revival of Friends itself. Just bring back Joey. <laughs> but make Joey like a full scumbag in this. Like, just completely change the character. Like, he's 60 he's years his... old. He's just like a pimp out in LA. His acting career completely failed. Right? Joey's he's... the type of guy at the nightclub that you see in his fucking, like, 60s that's, like, trying to hit on all, like, the teenage girls. And you're like... Dude, like your prime's over. Like, get get over it. Like, you're, you're done. Like Michael <laughs> Douglas in Basic Instinct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, tying it back right there. So yeah, he's still pulling the Douglas right there. <laughs> well, I also, I meant to mention this to you when you said I saw recently. I think in March, it was announced that Justin Bartha signed on for the National Treasure Television series on Disney Plus. Let's Are go. Are you excited? It's probably gonna be trash. Oh, I, uh, Tommy. This movie is this movie has one wrong mistake to it and it's complete and utter garbage. Like I don't think people fully realize the line that this movie is just tight roping the entire way across. This movie yeah. has one little mistake and this movie is just a piece of forgettable garbage, but it's not. It's not. It's this it great- teeters that line very closely. From what I heard is the reboot is going to focus on instead, like, it's more of a requel than a reboot if Justin Bartha's going to be in it. It's going to be a cast of younger characters in their early 20s or something like that that are, like, history experts. And what, like, Justin Bartha's going to show up for an episode as, like, hey, remember me? I'm from the movie. This is how we uh, make this TV show legitimate in the canon. <laughs> that, that, that sounds about right for Disney+. Plus. Let's be honest here. Yeah, well, because what they want, like Turner and Hooch, the sequel that no one asked for. Oh, right, with uh, Josh from Drake and Josh. Yeah. That Turner and Hooch, which had no pop culture significance outside of like Tom Hanks being in it. 
today. <laughs> it just, I'm just not. known. Yeah, known as the movie that was like Tom Hanks with the dog, and it's like, okay, like, do we need to do this again? And uh, what are Disney Plus classics out there? There's um, not even kind of the Marvel or Star Wars stuff. There's like what the fucking uh, Muddy Ducks re- reboot. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I, I, I'm, I'm also shocked we haven't seen like Sandlot like 30 years later or some bullshit. Bro, it's coming. It's coming. You know it's coming. They just this is what they this is what Disney does. It's just a nostalgia bomb. Just like remember this, it's like, you know you realize that it you built up to this moment because you've made like interesting and unique things, and now they're just like, no, we control everything, so you have to watch this. Play back die. the hits. Remember that show you remembered from twenty years ago? It, it is interesting because I remember like twenty, uh, like when I was in middle school, like looking back at like how there's the glut of eighty sequels. I'm like, all right, movies are going to remake when like twenty years from now. Instead, they're just making them all TV series, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, well, because it's it's like an excuse. It's like, oh, we could dive deeper into the characters. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're certainly going to do that. You're not going to pay like some hack out of college to to just like you're not going to tell them exactly what to do and put. You can put twenty percent jokes in your script. You're going to give them this very specific rule set to follow. <laughs> Guideline: Here's yeah. the Bible of the Muddy Ducks. You can't go outside of this Bible. <laughs> Tommy. You know what I'm going to do? I, I was inspired by this movie. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm not going to steal the Declaration of Independence, but do you know what I am going to steal? I'm going to steal the Disney rule book, like what their guidelines are, because I'm just assuming all of this, these <laughs> properties just have this guideline of like, <laughs> have the Bible. here's your percentages, like you have a range of percentages. So for National Treasure, the National Treasure is like, okay, you have to steal the Declaration of Independence. You have to mention that at least. <laughs> That's the first rule. Second rule is, I, I, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> it's gonna open up with them, like the. the it's gonna open up with them just in the, in the National Archives, and they're gonna be like looking onto it, like they're gonna be in like a gr- tour group or something like that. And he's gonna be like, yeah. in two thousand four, Benjamin Gates stole the Declaration of Independence, and he found the national treasure and it and then they're gonna like it's just gonna be like on the reflection of the glass like the cast and they're gonna look up and they're like wow it's nicholas wouldn't Cage. it be cool if we found something like this oh my god yeah and, and that's where like, justin justin bartha pops in right there and he says some like quippy line and then somehow gets nominated for an emmy like don Cheadle and winter soldier <laughs> he got nominated for an emmy he got Don Cheadle got nominated for an Emmy in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, even though he was only in there for maybe like three minutes of the whole fucking series. Marvel, baby, Disney. Cool. Whoever says those awards can't be bought are incorrect. even even Don Cheadle. I think was like, well, why why am I nominated? Because <laughs> this didn't do as well on the numbers. We're gonna pay to get you on the Emmy, so that way people are talking about it again. <laughs> Aren't. Isn't production just fascinating, Tommy? It's great. <laughs> anyway, so, review time. Wrapping it up. Okay, so I did like this movie uh, a little bit. I, you know, never seen this before, as I said. Uh, but that being said, because I've had twenty years of like 20, 28 years of watching adventure movies and stuff like that over and over again, this movie didn't really stand out that much to me from your um, other adventure movies. That much kind of reminded me of. Uh, uncharted when that came out a little earlier this year because it was also a little more of a generic adventure movie than this but still i don't know sean bean like i said didn't really do anything for me um i kind of wish there was a little more action i guess uh, it was more of a point of the adventure 
so but nick cage made it compelling and still you know i had to rewatch the last 20 minutes again before uh we recorded because i just wanted to rewatch it and the last 20 minutes do hit a little bit better when you're watching it on a surround sound compared to watching it out at work so i'm gonna give this i think three out of five stars i liked it didn't really stand out to me that much um compared to like any other adventure movie so see i i just can you think of another adventure movie where you steal the declaration of independence and then jump <laughs> off the intrepid and then find a tomb under trinity church yeah yeah you you cannot think of another action movie that does that but i would agree with you it's i would give this a three and a half out of five this movie i was saying it before it rides this cheesy line and it does it flawlessly if this movie had like one or two things different people would not have the same tune towards this movie i don't even remember the sequel so i'm assuming it just really wasn't that good i just remember it was like way too long and just like kind of bloated and it well, was kind of the same thing oh it was the same thing over and over and over again yeah this it's it's saturday night fun with the family shut your brain off a little bit have some popcorn enjoy it it's national treasure it's it delivers what it is telling you in the title and it does it very effectively it's a jerry bruckheimer production do you expect anything else from that man no he's gonna play the hits (laughs) he's like him and michael bay are just like a tandem yeah right because i think he did he produced the transformers movies almost positive I'm not sure if he did that, but did he? He produced Bad Boys at the very least. Yeah, he um, definitely produced Bad Boys. So it, listen, it's it's that and, kind and of a rock. movie. It's that kind of a movie. Just enjoy it. Just, if you're gonna try to cinema sins it, don't do that. Just watch it. Three and a half out of five. Wonderful movie. Tommy, do you have anything else you'd like to say? So two things. Uh, you know, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SeenItPod. And give us five stars on Spotify and Apple. And uh, finally, a third thing, uh, surprise, fuck CinemaSense. That's right. And we're going to see you again next week where we cover Army of Darkness and like five minutes of Doctor Strange talk so I can put it in the title and get more clicks. Anyway. There you go. (laughs) Have a good one. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.